Blog Talk Radio. with the Chicken Whisperer Radio Show, brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. My name is Andy Schneider, but most know me as the Chicken Whisperer, author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, National Spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds Program, and Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week, I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics, including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and, of course, living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com, where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free, yep, you heard that right, totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer magazine. we got a great show lined up for you today, and we'll return with Rip Stalvey right after this short break. At Kambach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all-natural, antibiotic-free with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kambach Feeds. Find a dealer at kambachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All right, thanks for staying with us today. We've got a great show lined up for you today with uh, Rip Stalvey. He'll be joining us here in just a few minutes. want to get you up to date on everything Chicken Whisperer-oriented. wanted to let you know, if you hadn't already seen it over on our Facebook page, that the spring issue of Chicken Whisperer Magazine is now out. Uh, If you subscribe to the digital edition for free, then you probably woke up Saturday morning and saw that puppy waiting in your email box. And uh, you probably have already taken advantage of reading that. So if not, check your spam folder, your trash folder. But uh, it was sent out this past Saturday, the new spring edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine 2016. If you subscribe to the print edition, you should be finding that in your mailbox, I would say, in the next seven days. It normally comes out about seven to ten days after the digital edition is launched, and that will be in your mailbox. So look forward to that. We've got a great contest and a prize that we're giving away in the magazine for spring. It is a really awesome roll-away nest box. It's called the Best Nest Box. And the thing is, 
fabulous. So we often talk about rollaway nest boxes, and I always recommend if you're building a coop to implement rollaway nest boxes. If you're having it built, see if they can build it implementing rollaway nest boxes. But this thing uh, is the, it's the cat's meow, if you will. They're really nice. We're giving one of those away in our spring issue of Chicken Whisper magazine. So check that out. We'd love for you to. And uh, had a fabulous time at the Combox Feeds uh, Agribusiness Conference. It was amazing. I'll be upfront and honest with you. Uh, I tried my best uh, to not go. Um, many of you know my dad passed away, and I was just kind of bummed out about that. Just hadn't got back into the groove, but I uh, talked with uh, one of my uh, contacts there, uh, my, a really good friend now. And she uh, kind of persuaded me to, to come up there, thought it would be good for me to get back in the groove of working. And uh, I did. I dove right into it and had an absolute blast. I'm so glad I went. The speakers there were phenomenal, very encouraging, uplifting, uh, and covered so many different topics. And there was, a um, uh, again, glad I went. There was a true... Uh, no way other than describe it. I know sometimes the term expert is used kind of lightheartedly, but there is no other way to describe the gentleman who was there, uh, Dr. Simon, regarding biosecurity and world-renowned. does work over in, in Egypt and in Saudi Arabia on, on avian influenza and, and, and salmonella and all these other diseases. Uh, fabulous just a, a brainiac when it comes to uh, uh, biosecurity, set on his uh, uh, workshop. It was fascinating. Um, a lot of the other motivational speakers there to help uplift the spirits of the the, the, the dealers, the feed dealers that were there. Uh, it was just uh, the camaraderie, the association with all the companies, the, the feed additive companies that make sure that this feed has all the vitamins and the minerals and elements and everything that it needs. Um, it just had a great time and a little bit of entertainment as well, uh, the, the one main day uh, evening. But I was glad I went. It was very uplifting. I needed that. So thank you, Cheryl, for getting me off my duff and getting me up there to Columbus, Ohio. The kids, they we had a few inches of snow up there. The kids got to make a snowman and play in the snow, which we don't get to do a lot, you know, being from the south. But uh, we've seen it a few times traveling, and uh, they really enjoyed that. But it was fabulous. And uh, the, the feed, the, the Kambach feed, it, it, you're, you'll be hard-pressed to beat the quality. It's just absolutely phenomenal. I've been to the plant uh, and wow, that's all I can say. In fact, they're breaking ground on another uh, mixing plant, and they just bought another one in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, growing like weeds, if you will, the company, and uh, just awesome. Had a really good time. So check them out, Kalmbach Feeds, and uh, see if they uh, carry it near you. Uh, I know, uh, Rip, they carry it down towards uh, your area in Orlando, uh, and uh, even in Ocala, they carry the Kambach brand, so um, we bring you on. Um, looking forward to it, and today we've got a great topic for you. Uh, Rip Starley, if you didn't know, he's joined us now. The, the first Tuesday of every month, we'll bring Rip on, and he is a um, long-time American Poultry Association judge, great reputation uh, in that arena, and uh, just a great asset here to have with the show, and we'll be bringing him on just a second after our first official uh, commercial break. He's got a great topic he'll share with us today. 
trying to think of anything else going on as far as announcements. My tour coming up will be pulling out of here on tax day, April 15th. My first event is on April 18th, and we're going to be hitting northern Illinois, northern Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, and northwest Ohio. And I don't have the cities right in front of me. I know Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and Janesville, Wisconsin, are the two stops I have in Wisconsin. And I think I'm going to be up there maybe near Holland, Michigan. I think I'll come up there around the Big Lake and then circle back down. So, um, But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have all that posted on uh, the Facebook page. And over on Twitter, as the dates get a little closer. So we're going to take our first little commercial break and get that out of the way. And when we come back, we'll welcome Rip, and he'll educate us uh, more on show poultry. If you're interested in that or already are into show poultry, they'll have some wonderful and very valuable information. So get those pens and paper ready during the commercial break as well. We'll return with Rip Stalvey. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Give the chicken fountain a try. It's clean water by design. It's a new way to water your flock. Chickens to turkeys to ducks to peacocks. Nothing to lose, so start today. Not a major water, the easy way. Just a cap full a day directly into their water is all it takes for a stronger immune system. Introducing ePoultry, an all-natural, whey-based soluble that will help improve your flock's overall health. Made by farmers for farmers right here in the USA. ePoultry is a safe, all-natural way to give your birds the strong immune system they deserve. Learn more and purchase at www.eanimalproducts.com. That's www.eanimalproducts.com. Are you in the market for a new chicken coop? Want one that will outlast all the others? Then look no further than Urban Coop Company. All of their coops are made from appearance-grade western red cedar right here in the USA. Urban Coop Company coops are designed to be both beautiful and functional. I invite you to visit their website to learn about the many features of their coops and check out their integrated coop accessories that will make your life easier. 
They're passionate about building great coops because they know you're passionate about your backyard chickens. Visit their website at urbancoopcompany.com. That's urbancoopcompany.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's idealpoultry.com. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky, you'll know it's Super Chicken. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. We got Rip Stavi, uh, uh in the uh, in the phone queue right now. Thanks uh, so much for joining us today, Rips. Glad to have you on. Thank you, Andy. It's great to be here as usual. Um, yeah. Beautiful day here in Florida today. Don't uh, make it any uh, worse than it has to be. <laughs> we, yeah, we uh, we we left Florida in the wintertime. There is no doubt. It's starting. It's not. We're going to hit seventy-one, I think, today up here in the Northeast Georgia mountains. So we are definitely uh, rejoicing regarding that. Uh, but I'm sure we're probably in the eighties, low eighties, down where we normally stay in Florida this time of year. So uh, I bet it is absolutely beautiful down there. But uh, no complaints. I woke up this morning. Uh, and I didn't see dirt, as my dad would say. I woke up this morning, and uh, that makes it a good day no matter what's going on in your life. I guarantee it. So, um, But, yeah, so uh, thanks for joining us. And Great topic today. Hopefully everybody got their pens and papers to take some notes. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, my friend. Thanks, Andy. Uh, I wanted to talk a bit today about rearing and evaluating young birds. Uh, but before I jump off into the topic, there's something I wanted to share with everyone that has really – uh, touched me in quite a profound way um, and, mm-hmm. and just made me be really proud to be part of this hobby uh, and showing poultry. Uh, a friend of mine out in Mississippi has uh, had five different previous bouts with cancer, uh, thought he had it licked, and it came back again. Uh, unfortunately, his insurance, uh, had his lifetime benefits had been paid, so he can't get insurance, doesn't have insurance, and they wanted him to pay up front for the new surgery and treatment. And several of his friends got together and pulled together uh, a benefit auction. For, and the guy's name is Brent Bryan. Benefit auction for Brent Bryan. It's a Facebook group. And they started out with a pretty lofty goal um, of about $32,000. And I have participated in some online auctions and really had never seen that kind of money generated uh but boy you know i shouldn't have been concerned at all about it uh people had donated birds and hatching eggs and chicks and started chicks and home jams and jellies homemade quilts it's just really uh something to to see coming together um the last time i checked the numbers which was uh sunday uh, they had already raised forty-two thousand uh, dollars 
uh, to support Brent, and it's, it's just something really neat, and I, I would just tickle to death to be a part of it. Uh, but it's like I said, yeah, that is amazing. Uh, it, it it kind of blew my mind, and and um, some of those uh, donations of chicks and eggs and and birds were from people that normally you couldn't buy a bird from if your life depended on it. They just don't part with them, and, and some of them who never ship eggs are willing to ship eggs. Um, I know one particular auction in there uh, went for over $1,400 uh, wow. just for uh, a few baby chicks, and it's 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 really cool thing to see this in the hobby. So I just wanted to, to share that with everybody and, and let them know that, uh, you know, this poultry show fraternity is um, or hobby goes far beyond just showing poultry and chickens um it's all about supporting friends and family and and coming together to help others when we possibly can so uh, you know my hats off to folks who participated in that it's, it's been amazing and it's not over yet <laughs> that is absolutely amazing so uh, he's he's going forward with his treatment then he is going forward with his treatment a hundred percent of the proceeds are donated directly to brent um, he's got his upcoming surgery and, and uh, treatment paid for in full already, uh, and we've even been able to generate enough that we've been able to offset some of the lost income that he will incur because he's not able to work uh, and, and gaining very quickly on being able to get him a full year of paid-up insurance. So That it, is fabulous. It is great. Great, great news. and. Uh, just appreciate everybody for coming together the way they did. With that said, let's talk about rearing our young birds. It's that time of the year for some of us. Um, some of us are still hatching eggs, and some of us are maybe waiting for the birds to hatch a little bit further north or, or eggs to even be laid. But it's something we need to think about and we need to plan for um, and just give it a lot of thought this time of year because. Um, you know, you've invested a good bit of money in, in your breeder birds and getting them ready and getting them fit and uh, getting those hatching eggs. And we want to take just as much advantage of the potential in those chicks as we possibly can. Um, now let's talk just a little bit here about feed. Now, I'm going to sort of make a comment that a lot of the feed requirements can vary according to breeds. For example, if you've got birds that are slow to mature and, you know, like Jersey Giants, I don't think there's a chicken out there that can take longer to mature than a Jersey Giant because they spend about the first year uh, putting on structure and bone. And then they'll begin to, after about 13, 14 months, they'll begin to put on muscle and mass and, and begin to gain weight. But, you know, these birds require a bit higher protein. Uh, a bit more calcium and phosphorus in their diet to support building that good, strong structure. Uh, birds that have um, profuse feathering like Cochins or, or um, Brahmas or Phoenix who have those very long tails, uh, takes a good bit of protein to produce all that feather. So it's a breed you want to consider using a bit higher protein. Um, as a rule of thumb, I find that standard bred birds or show poultry do require uh, more protein in their diet 
than our common egg birds or, or even meat producing birds. So I typically run of about oh somewhere in the range of 22 percent protein um, for my breeds that I have, and I like for some of that to come from uh, meat protein. Uh, I find or, or have found over the years that you know it's just hard to beat. Uh, fish protein or have, getting a, a feed with fish meal in it and it's not always easy to do but if you look around uh, you can find one out there um, you know you may have to go to something like the game bird feed uh, a starter or a breeder uh, to find it but I think you'll find even though it's a little bit more expensive it'll pay big dividends for you in the long run with much stronger healthier uh, chicks that are in much better condition than on the lower protein and particularly one that has uh, an all-vegetable diet. It's um, it, it's just a good investment right up front, uh, getting chicks off to a good start. Um, water is another critical uh, component. Um, I'm fortunate to have well water so I don't have to contend with some of the additives that are in um, the county water around here. And it's worked well for me over the years, no pun intended, uh, but just make sure they have access 24-7 to good, clean, cool water. And cool water is very important for us here in the south during the summer months because, you know, we can deal with some pretty high extreme temperatures as well as increased humidity levels uh, that can really hamper the bird's growth and development. Um, it's not at all uncommon. I've got some large Rhode Island Reds, and they seem to, to suffer from the heat about as much as anything I've ever raised. Uh, those chicks just, when it starts hitting the 90s and above, if they don't have a lot of shade and cool water, it just really sets them back and they just kind of hang around there um, and without doing much in the way of growing or putting on feathers. Um, so, you know, make sure you have good clean water for them, uh, cool water. Um, even during the summer, I've, I've been known to uh, freeze uh, bottles of water and drop down in some of the chick waters just to keep it cool for them. Um, my actual preference is to use a, a drip uh, water system, but it's, it's kind of hard to uh, keep that as cool as I'd like to sometimes. So when it really gets extreme down here, uh, you'll find me dumping water frozen water bottles into the chicken waters. Uh, I know some folks would probably see me do that and kind of scratch my head a little bit, but it works well for me, and it has over the years, and so I'll continue to do it. Um, space, one of the biggest problems I find for most folks is giving the birds adequate space to grow and to develop. Uh, many times they'll go by the commercial industry guidelines on space really I mean it's okay um, but does it give you the primo results you're looking for not always I, I tend to double the amount of space that I give chicks uh, that I'm developing for show uh, it reduces things like feather picking and uh, just bloody spots on chicks uh, when you chicks start getting crowded and they start feather picking once it starts it is almost impossible to break them from that habit uh, it just goes from bad to worse seemingly uh, overnight sometimes 
and it can really get out of hand. And one of the biggest ways I know to help prevent that is to provide the birds more space. Um, I also give them things to uh, peck on or amuse themselves with. Um, I like to take a uh, head of cabbage and cut the stalk kind of long, and I'll hang it up in the coop uh, just low enough to where they kind of have to jump up to, to get a bite of it. And that just keeps birds entertained about as good as anything I've ever seen. I've even seen folks uh, take water bottles and, and put little bells or toys inside of them and hang them up in there for the chickens to peck at. Um, in the zoological field, um, that's called enrichment. Uh, and and you, if you go to a zoo and you see some of the things they do, uh, like uh, went over to Bush Gardens here a while back, and they've got a great tiger habitat. But they had things like big heavy ropes for them to bite and swing on, and uh, big balls in the water that they would play with. It just keeps them from getting bored. And you know, nothing wrong with doing that for your chickens because uh, a bored chicken can get into problems with you. <laughs> Roost, um, this is another area that I think sometimes people allow their chicks to start roosting a little bit too early. Uh, and, and a lot of folks will tend to use a smaller round roost. And when the bird, you got to remember now, these chicks are sitting on that roost for several hours at night during sleep. And if they're laying on a round dowel, let's say a, a two-inch dowel in their coop, you run the risk of getting a, uh, a keel bone developed that has some dents in it. And typically that's environmental and, and not a genetic issue. Uh, a true twisted keel is, is absolutely genetic, but the little dents and dings that uh, you sometimes run across when you're handling birds at a show, judging them, typically is caused from chicks allowed access to uh, roost a little bit too soon. I, I don't like to let them roost much before eight to 10 weeks old. Now, another thing you can do to help prevent that is I don't use a round roost or a small roost. I use a two-before set with the flat side up, or wide side up, I should say. This allows them to roost comfortably, and you'll see them sitting in there with their toes hanging off the front edge of it, but it also gives much more support to the keel bone. Um, it just helps them develop out a little bit better. These are all little tips and tricks that I have learned over the years um, that can make a difference. And, and with good show birds, sometimes it's the little things that will put you in the winter circle uh, or keep you out of it sometimes. So the more information you can use and garner, uh, the better off you're going to be down the road. Another thing that I like to do is separate the sexes on my birds. As soon as I can identify the males and the females, I'll pull the males out and put them in another pen. And this does several things. Uh, as they begin to mature, it reduces stress on the females. Uh, they don't have a bunch of uh, cockles running around and, and picking at them and trying to mate and this kind of thing. Um, it also helps the males because... Um, Oh, one trick I did learn about uh, raising young males is I like to keep an old cockbird in the pen with him. He will do more to break up a fight than I can with a broom. I mean, as soon as the squabble starts out, he's right there breaking it up. So it keeps them from 
getting battle scars or battle wounded, as I like to say, uh, and just keeps them developing and, and much calmer. Um, and separating those sections is, is really, really important. Because even in some breeds and varieties, you'll find that maybe the males are faster developing than the females or vice versa. So um, you just want to take advantage of separating those sexes as soon as you possibly can. Now, another element that I like to talk about here is time. Don't cull your birds too quickly. Uh, I see a lot of folks um, that are getting into show poultry for the first time and they want to know how soon can I start culling my birds. Um, I don't think you can wait too late to cull, but you can sure cull too soon. And by removing a bird from your program that may not look exactly like it should uh, right away, uh, he may be a late bloomer or she may be a late bloomer. So give them a little time to develop to their fullest potential. And I'll, I'll talk about uh, color culling and, and uh, a little bit later on, but just make sure that you're not pushing the birds uh, when it comes to culling or removing birds. Now, with that said, uh, some things I call for uh, as, as soon as I see it, like uh, obvious uh, disqualifications like side sprigs on a comb or split wings or uh, some sort of deformity, maybe a crossed beak. Um, I'll get those birds out of there because I know they're not going to develop anywhere close to their full potential or, or pass on uh, these disqualifications to the young birds. So I'll take those out as soon as I spot them. I do try to evaluate color uh, after they are mature. And folks will ask me, well, when are they mature? How long does it take? Here again, this can vary by breed or even varieties within a breed. Uh, some take longer than others. You know, we talked earlier about um, Jersey Giants and how long that can take. Uh, that That is very much a, a patient's man breed. Uh, you, you don't want to rush those things. Other breeds like Old English Games or Leggerns uh, will mature much faster. But my guide that I use is I look at the wing feathers, particularly the primary feathers. Um, chicks from the time they're born until they are fully mature will develop and molt three sets of feathers. They start with the chick down, then the first juvenile molt, and the second juvenile molt, and then they'll get their adult plumage. Now you can pretty much tell when that happens if you look at the primary feathers and if you look at the tips. Um, a mature bird's primary wing tips are very much rounded in shape, whereas an immature bird has very pointed uh, wing tips. So once they've grown in that final set of rounded feathers, then I know it's safe to go ahead and cull uh, for color. So here again, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about just a moment ago about, uh, you know, take time and, and don't rush things too quickly. Um, even on solid colored birds like blacks or whites that you would think would be pretty easy um, to spot color flaws, here again, it, it takes time to evaluate these things. They, they will go through 
so many changes um, from the time they're hatched until they're mature. It's it's kind of scary sometimes, and I've I've walked out many times and looked at my birds and and you know well, there's one I probably should go ahead and and pull out because I don't think he's going to develop. And then you go back three or four days later and you thought, wow, where'd that bird come from? It, it blows my mind how it can happen and they can just really change and develop, particularly as they're getting close to maturity. Um, you know, as, as young birds, it's not uncommon to have solid black uh, varieties that will have white wing feathers or tips. Uh, and, and if you're getting into those for the first time, it kind of leaves you scratching your head a little bit going, oh my, where did that come from or how in the world did that happen? So just give them a little time. What will happen in those black varieties is they will molt out their feathers, those white feathers, and they'll grow back just as nice and black as they possibly can. So just be very, very careful, very patient, and very mindful when you're culling for color uh, defects uh, too soon because you can uh, you can kind of live to regret it sometimes. Um, weighing is something I do routinely. Uh, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but all birds have a particular weight uh, requirement based on the breed. Um, so it also is a good indication to me. Uh, I, I weigh it. Uh, eight weeks and then at 16 weeks and then I weigh again at 24 weeks um, but it, it lets me know how those birds are developing and, and are they growing at a proper rate just by weighing and, and you'll find that just weighing alone will show you some amazing uh, points to, to think about I find that when I'm judging a show many of the large fowl breeds quite frankly are a little overweight some of them badly so, um, because it's easier to get good type on a bigger body. Uh, I mean, that's a fact that, that's sort of inescapable that we have to live with, but they have those particular standard weights for a good reason. Um, that's what they were bred for to begin with. Some of them revolve around production. Uh, bigger bodied birds don't lay as well as the smaller birds like uh, leggings, uh, you'll never find a, a cochin or a giant that will lay as well as the leggings. just not going to happen. They're not built for that. Uh, they were never bred for that to begin with. And try as you might, you're just not going to create something that's, that's just not supposed to be there. So weigh your birds. I like to get a, uh, a good set of digital scales, and they're not expensive. I mean, you can find them on um, eBay or Amazon, anywhere from 20 to $30, and they're more than adequate. Uh, just want to make sure that the scales go up high enough, or high enough to accommodate uh, the weight, mature weight of your breed. For example, if, if you've got a set of scales that will go up to 10 pounds and you're breeding Jersey Giants, that's not going to be enough because you're looking at 13 to 15 pounds mature weight on those birds. Um, so, like anything else in life, you get the right tool for the right job, and it sure makes life a lot easier. Um, learn to use your hands. Um, and by using your hands, what I'm talking about here is how to feel the bird's body. You know, we think we can see 
the proper shape on a bird from the outside and, and to agree, uh, yes, we can. Uh, but to really know what's underneath all those feathers, you have to learn to use your hands. It's one of the best tools that you have besides your eyes when you start evaluating your birds. Uh, there are some good resources out there. The Livestock Conservancy uh, has some good evaluation tools and uh, guidelines um, that are free PDF files that you can download. Uh, that's livestockconservancy.org. Uh, just click on their Heritage Poultry uh, link and it will lead you to those resources. They talk about evaluating chicks. They talk about evaluating adults. They talk about evaluating uh, birds that are potential breeders. So it's a good resource to have, and it, it will kind of coach you through this process of how to use your hands. A really good resource to have, if you can find a hard copy of it, is uh, Call of the Hen. It's an old, old book that's out of print, but it really teaches you what to look for with your hands when you're evaluating a bird. Now, you can get a free copy uh, just by going online to archive.org. It's available as a PDF download. Um, and again, my preference is to have a book that I can take out into the coop with me. If I don't have that, well, then a digital copy will certainly work and will get me started. So let's talk about, just for a minute, using your hands and what you can learn. One of the things that I see a lot uh, on some breeds are backs that are too long or too short. Uh, you can use your hand. It won't give you an exact measurement, okay? But if you're going through a pen of uh, pullets, let's say, you'll soon be able to figure out who's got the longer backs and who's got the shorter backs. If you'll just take the, your hand and lay it up on the chicken's back right at the base of the neck, and you just kind of roll it over and get another measurement. So most folks' hands roughly about four inches wide or so. Um, but you can just use your hand, and you'll see trends develop uh, in your flock of birds about how they're coming on and, and how they're developing. And, and you can tell things that you really can't with your eye. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Another thing we can look at is length of back. Um, that goes with length of back is the width of the back. I see a lot of birds today, they start out wide up behind the shoulders and then kind of taper down as they go when maybe they should be the same width all the way through the tail. Here again, take your hand, put your thumb on one side of the bird's back or body up uh, behind the wings and put your fingers on the other side and just kind of slide your hand down towards the tail just applying very gentle pressure and you'll begin to feel uh, those that have better width of back they'll stick out kind of like a sore thumb and it'll also be a great way to help you determine how long the back is um, so uh, it, those breeds like Rhode Island Reds that should carry their back lengths or widths all the way through to the tails, uh, they'll become really apparent. Now, one thing that I find associated with narrow backs is what we call pinched tails. 
that's when the tail, when viewed from the rear, is just kind of one straight line. When actuality in most breeds, it should be sort of an inverted V-shape, wider at the bottom than it is at the top. But those birds with the narrow backs, uh, particularly down towards the tail, just physically can't develop because uh, they don't have the structure to give them a wide tail. How are we doing on time, Andy? Do we need to take a break? Or? Oh, we're doing just fine. Maybe another 10 minutes, and then we can go to break and then come back and wrap it up. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm probably within 10 minutes can pretty much be done with what I've got here, but we will stally for Okay, that's, that's fine. We'll, we'll go to break um, then, and um, we'll just go to break. That's not a problem. Um, really fascinating information. I, I, I cover a lot of shows. Uh, I don't do showing. I just, honestly, it's a time issue. But a lot of this gets so uh, so fascinating, and the Jersey Giants, everybody knows that they're large breeds. But the the fact that you know don't get impatient with them, they'll they'll come around, and you're just kind of just it's a slow process uh, that that type of thing. And then the the calling too fast was, is very timely because I was uh, looking on one of the Facebook um, uh, poultry page uh, just in the last couple of days and. You're right. They were starting to ask questions. You know, how soon can I call? What's the best way to call? And then, you know, somebody was saying that um, a lot of people are, you know, just are hesitant to do that just because they don't understand the, the show aspects and, and calling for the best uh, of breed and things like that. And uh, it, it was a really lively topic based on what your uh, personal opinion was and whether you showed or didn't show and what your ultimate goals were. So I'm glad you, you shared with that a little bit as well. Some people were like, man, as soon as they hatch and they're fluffed out, if I don't see what I like, they're gone. I mean, it was just <laughs> just, just that quick, that quick sometimes. So uh, that was very timely regarding some of the stuff that I was seeing uh, <clears throat> online. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take a quick break then. And, um, uh, folks, we're talking with uh, Rip Stalvey. He is a longtime American Poultry Association APA judge and uh so stay with us. There will be a lot more to come after the short break. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfgeek.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C dot com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at 1-888-824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Do you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Since 1921, 
Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at strombergschickens.com. That's strombergschickens.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFRadio.com. That's GQFRadio.com. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. All righty, that went so bad. Thank you very much for staying with us today. And we'll get back over here to uh, Rip Stalvey. And uh, he'll finish up and wrap up uh, with this great show. If you're into showing, then I know you love it. And uh, if you're getting into it, I know you love it. Take lots of notes because uh, he uh, he knows what he's talking about, folks. We'll get back to him right now. Rip? Thanks, Andy. Um, you know, we talked about measuring the width of back and the length of back. But another important thing to, to evaluate on your birds is the depth of body. In other words... Uh, the top from the top of the back all the way down through the body to the bottom of the keel bone. Why is depth of body important, you might ask? You can probably understand it on some of the meat birds and that kind of thing. But it's also very critical even on the egg production birds because if your birds don't have a good depth of body, they're not going to be as productive as they possibly can. Think of it this way. Uh, You can take all the uh, internal organs of a chicken and put it in a quart jar. That, that would take something bigger than a quart jar. But now imagine with a smaller depth of body, your quart jar has just become a pint jar. So you're trying to get all of those internal organs into a smaller body cavity. Uh, when this happens, the birds don't digest food as well. Uh, they don't process uh, vitamins and minerals. They're not laying like they should. 
uh, simply because there's not enough room inside the body for everything to function in a normal way. So to measure body depth, I like to put my thumb up on top of the back and then bring my hand under the bottom of the breast, and that gives me a pretty good gauge or measurement going from bird to bird. So be sure and check that body depth. Another thing that's important to look at, and here again, this is going to vary depending on the breed, is the length and placement of the legs on the body. Mm-hmm. Um, I see a lot of birds today that are really getting a little bit short in the leg. You know, uh, Rhode Island Reds I'm, I've had for a lot of years, and they should be, as my old mentor said, well up on their legs. You want to see a good amount of, of uh, leg length there. Uh, birds like Cornish have a much shorter length of leg because they have those big bulky bodies. And the, when I say the leg placement, I'm talking about where it actually attaches to the chicken's body. Um, if the leg is too far forward, then that's going to make the bird tilt up because you're going to have all the weight in the, in the abdomen kind of pushing down on it a little bit, uh, sort of like a, a fulcrum effect. Uh, and, and, of course, the reverse is true, too. If it's too far back, you'll see them start to go down in the front uh, and bring the rear end up in the air. So it just throws the balance uh, of birds off. And it's something that a lot of folks don't really check for sometimes, and, and it's something easy to overlook. But the length of leg and the placement of legs are very, very critical. And they should also be uh, wide set straight up and down uh, when viewed from the front or from the rear. Uh, birds like reds and rocks, uh, particularly the males, I like them wide enough to where I can put my fist uh, between their legs uh, and not have it touch. This tells me we've got a good wide frame going on there, uh, and if, if a wide frame will translate into better muscled, uh, better laying birds all the way around. So something to think about. And the last thing I look for when I'm doing this sort of hands-on evaluation um, is I look for balance and symmetry uh, in a bird. I see birds today that the males have great, big, bushy, overdone tails, and it just throws their balance off when you're looking at them. You know, I, I had somebody come up to me at a show recently and said, you know, that's a nicely colored old English game, but he just doesn't look right. I said, he's out of balance. I said, what do you mean out of balance? I said, well, if you view that bird from the side and you drew a line, a vertical line, from the legs straight up through the bird's body, I said, okay, I can do that. And I said, okay, now do you see more bird in front of the line or more bird behind the line? He said, well, there's more behind the line because of the big tail. I said, exactly. His balance is off. So, that's something really critical to look for. Uh, something easier done on males and females sometimes, but once you train your eye and develop your eye, um, you can spot it pretty quickly. Um, I see it a lot in old English games, uh, some leggings today, uh, white rocks particularly, not so much in bards, but they're breeding for these bigger, bushier tails because I think they assume that it it's kind of showy and catchy, and, and I guess to some extent that it is, uh, and, and it tends to catch the judge's eye, but for me it's a huge turnoff. When I'm going through 
uh, class of old English games, and I see these birds with great big tails on there. I think, oh man, they need to do something with these chickens. But so it it takes a little while to develop your eye. It's something that can be learned uh, very easily. Um, and using your hands is one of the best ways I know to do it. Now, I don't just do this hands-on evaluation uh, when I'm doing my last evaluation of the birds. No, I start every time I weigh the birds, I do the hand evaluation and check for those things. It will show you uh, the better birds in your flock, and it will show you even over time whether you're making progress in your breeding pens and your breeding selection um, or how you how you're managing your chicks, it'll, it'll point those things out to you real quick. So learn to use your hands, learn to use your eyes, and get out that standard and study, study, study. It will make you a much better chicken breeder in the long run. I think we lost you there for a minute, Rip. If you can check your connection. You got me back now? Hmm. Hello? Let me call you back, Andy. All righty. I think, I think Rip calls in via Skype. So, yeah, he got dropped. So, um, But I think he was about done. If there was anything else that we didn't leave off, then uh, we will uh, we'll definitely get him to post that over on our Facebook page or wrap it up uh, the next time he comes on. So, uh, But um, that was Rip Stalvey, and he's a longtime American Poultry Association judge and uh, just an overall great guy. He tries to join us the first Tuesday of every single month and um, uh, just uh, comes on and talks about his experience and breeding. If you're into that, if you're getting into showing this year, uh, definitely want to look up when uh, he's actually going to be on. But um, well, let's see. We call back in here. Let's see if we can get over there and have, see if he's going to wrap it up here for a second. Hey, Rip, we lost you for a minute. Uh, okay. One of those, you know, technology is great as long nope, as it and works I still well. don't hear him. I saw him call back on, back live on the air, but I just don't hear him. So, uh, so we'll get the technical glitches worked out before uh, the next show. But uh, hey, first Tuesday in April, we'll look to having uh, Rip back on. And you can find out all of our show schedule there at facebook.com forward slash the chicken whisperer over at our Twitter account at Backyard Poultry uh, as well. But we thank you very much for tuning in today. Uh, and again, our guest today was a long time American Poultry Association Judge Rip Stoffy and uh, talking about show poultry. And if you want, if you missed the last two episodes he was on, you can go and look at our archive and listen to those too so you can get caught up uh, with the topics that he's sharing with us. And he'll be uh, joining us again first Tuesday in April. But that's going to wrap it up for us here at Backyard Poultry with Chicken Whisper brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. And uh, we got a great show lined up for you this Thursday. It's two more days this Thursday, 2 p.m. We're going to welcome poultry scientist and professor Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D. That'll be this Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hopefully you can join us for that show as well. And check out chickenwhispermagazine.com. The spring issue is out. And we do hope you enjoy that. And we'll see you Thursday. God bless everybody. Uh-huh.